All right, welcome back to the Young Turks. Uh, I wanna talk to you about uh, Percy Ellis Sutton. If you don't know him, you should. He's a, a wonderful African-American pioneer. Uh, he was in the Civil Rights Movement. He was a legal representative for Malcolm X. Uh, he was the highest ranking African-American elected official in New York City. Uh, he was the Manhattan Borough President from 1966 to 1977. Uh, he wound up doing investments in New York and Amsterdam News, the Apollo Theater in Harlem, and several radio stations. And uh, it's not just his accomplishments, but his attitude uh, that was uh, unbelievable and something to be celebrated. Well, we're gonna talk to a perfect person uh, that knows the story, his granddaughter, uh, Keisha Sutton James joins us now. Keisha, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, No problem, so Keisha, um, there's so much that I uh, wanna talk about in regards to your grandfather. I like how you summarize it at the end of one of your articles, his unapologetic black excellence. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so let's first start uh, with how did he get started? Um, it, you know, he didn't uh, start by owning a lot of radio stations and media outlets, etc. So what were his beginnings? He actually was one of 15 children born in San Antonio, Texas. The kids were born between 1897 and 1920. So, you know, young black man from the Jim Crow South. Um, not the, you know, not the recipe for this kind of meteoric success, but his parents were incredibly focused on excellence and education and achievement. So, you know, he and his siblings were all super high achievers. There were, of the 15 kids, there were, um, there was a, a medical doctor, a female medical doctor, um, the first African American elected to, um, to, uh, to office in the state of Texas post reconstruction. Two real estate moguls, a New York State Supreme Court judge, my grandfather, who did all the things that he did, and uh, I. Oh, and then a scientist who moved to Russia to work. He had studied under George Washington Carver, and he moved to Russia to work on the uses of of the peanut um, with the Russian government. So they all were, they were, you know, focused on on this unapologetic, unapologetic black excellence. Wow. Uh, see, that's the kind of Russian collusion I can get behind. Uh, <laughs> bringing peanut butter to Russia. I mean, you want to talk about excellence? Okay, so uh, let's. I, I love the story of how he bought his first AM station. So uh, it was back in 1971. Uh, he he didn't have the money. So how did he get the money? Uh, that's an amazing story. Tell us about that. It is, um, and actually, I learned some of this a little more about this um, just the other day. My dad and I did an interview that's um, actually on a podcast called "Without Fail," where I learned um, that not only I knew that we had pulled together my grandfather, his brother, who was the judge, um, and uh, a number of shareholders—you know, a couple dozen to call it three dozen shareholders had pulled together their resources. These were um, lawyers, doctors, teachers, um, and other kind of middle-class African-Americans, professionals. Among them were future Mayor Dinkins, um, Betty Shabazz, who was Malcolm X's widow, and several other kind of luminaries in our community. Um, they pulled their resources, they came up with about $300,000. They went to 63 banks to try to get the bank loan for the first um, AM radio station and were declined, 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 refused. And where we got lucky, because this is how it has to, had to happen and to some extent still does happen in our community, is one of our shareholders had 
literally saved the life of the child of a camp count. I mean, a, a child of the president of a bank. And the bank president said, you saved my son's life. I will figure out how to get you this loan. And that's how we got our first loan. Did you say David Dinkins was part of the group? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, many, many years later, he would be uh, my professor at Columbia. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and back then, I was a knucklehead Republican. And I remember taking the class and thinking, he does make some good points. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you came over to the right side. Yes. And so uh, there's two reasons why I love that story. One is putting together black doctors, lawyers, teachers, et cetera, to pull their money together. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And then, look, guys, that's. Success is not easy. And you know, when they give you this speech at graduation about, oh, just go for your dreams, that's not like go for your dreams and play video games all day. He went to 63 different banks, right? And perseverance. That's right. That's it's all about perseverance. Now, once he owned the station, he took a different route than than most. What did he do with the station? Uh, so he had a political background, and you should know that he. Uh, so you know, it was an activism and political background. His family was; they were very active in the in the NAACP during his upbringing. Um, as I said, and he was very active in the NAACP. He was. Uh, he eventually became a Springarn um, award, awardee, which is their high, highest honor. Um, he. Again, you know, he was Malcolm X's attorney. He had a political background. His entire kind of um, purview was was community and service oriented. So our radio stations um, always had that, you know, that element to them. Um, one of our stations, our AM station, WLIB, was a black talk station for decades. And frankly, we lost about a million dollars for decades. The decade, I mean, a million dollars per year for decades um, doing black talk because it was our community that was his focus. In fact, he invested a ton of time and money in promoting and and really, you know, giving awareness around. He was um, Mayor Dinkins and Reverend Sharpton and all these folks were mentees of his. So when when they were running for office, um, both um, Jesse Jackson, excuse me, Jesse Jackson and Mayor Dinkins, when they were running for office, there was a huge push to you know educate the community around their candidacies and to develop a uh, a voter block, if you will, um, around their candidacies. And it, and they always say that the that the two Jackson runs in 84 and 88 created the voter base to make the Dinkins candidacy successful in New York because we had such a strong black voting block in New York by by 89. And by the way, you should know if you don't already know this, he Dinkins, Charlie Rangel and Basil Patterson who um, whose governor whose son eventually became governor and who was a major labor um, lawyer. The four of them were called the Harlem Gang of Four and they were Super tight um, and focused on on our community from different angles. Um, I don't know that there's anything cooler than the Harlem Gang of Four. <laughs> uh, I'm no. I'm slightly <laughs> bitter that I wasn't somehow miraculously involved. Anyway, uh, we're talking about Percy Ellis Sutton, uh, and we're talking to his daughter, I'm uh, granddaughter Keisha, uh, and and so and I want to talk about the success of the FM station because it wasn't just that he cared about the community; he was also Incredibly bright and and saw good opportunity and believed in the community and and was rewarded for that belief. Yeah. So he bought an FM station, 
for only $1.1 million at the time, because at the time, AM stations were much bigger, and people were like, FM station, that'll never work. Uh, (laughs) So what do you do with that station, and, and what wound up being the result? So this is where my dad actually came into the fold. My grandfather at the time was Manhattan Borough President, and he was, you know, obviously running Manhattan at that point. That was when he was the highest ranking um, African American in New York State. Um, so my my dad actually, this is something else I learned when I did this podcast with my dad. He um, met a man who was an engineer who had developed a special. Um, antenna, I've forgotten what it's called, the circular rotating, circular something antenna. Dad, you can hear the details in this podcast without fail. Um, And what it did was it basically made the FM dial feasible. So FM has higher fidelity and you can hear it in stereo, but it would bounce off of every, you know, building or tree or leaf. This, this particular, um, uh, antenna made it so that that would so, you, so that that issue would be alleviated, and my dad got a hold of this thing, realized that he had this technological advantage. He bought WBLS, put this thing on it, at, and within two books, which um, which is the ratings books, that's three months, so six months, we were the number one station in the market. In addition to that. Um, there were serious kind of programming advances um, where we established a whole new format that was called urban. Before before our radio stations, there was no such thing as urban. Um, our, our legendary jock Frankie Crocker is the person who came up with that. And he recognized that there was an opportunity to reach African-Americans, whites, um, uh, Puerto Ricans, because the Puerto Rican was the, the you know, the primary Latin block in New York at the time. Um, and this, and our radio station became the radio station of New York and really held that position for much of the 70s into the 80s. The disco music was all ours. And then we bought radio stations, FMs and AMs around the country. My dad went on a buying spree, you know, as quickly as he saw the success, he raised more money and went and bought stations in Detroit and LA and San Francisco, San Antonio. Yeah. And, uh, had a really we for 40 years we had a really successful radio business anchored yeah. with WBLS look it it's it's smart but it's also b- believing in yourself uh, believing in yourself believing in your community uh and and you know it's not just the effects that it had on uh, that particular community at that particular time that r- history rains down on us through the generations and so there's an, a new gang of four now in Congress that's looking to do some good, uh, arguably led by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You know, the four just Democratic women that just got elected, and mm-hmm. she's influenced by those same exact stations, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and so that created a culture and a generation that's now ready to fight back as well. So, yep. you know, we're out of time, but Keisha, uh, I really appreciate you joining us in every part of this story. Including rebuilding the Apollo is amazing, and so I want everybody to know about Percy Ellis Sutton, and and I love, as you could put it, his unapologetic black excellence. Thank you so much. <laughs> thanks for having me, and thanks for highlighting my grandfather. It's a story. It's a story that needs to be known. All right, thank you. Have a great night. You too. Uh, so uh, when we come back, Ben Cohen from Ben and Jerry's, uh, he's decided to be a co-chair of Bernie Sanders' campaign. Why? Uh, we'll ask. Him. All right, back on the Young Turks. Uh, I'm going to read a 
uh, a comment from the member section left over from the uh, second hour of the, hour of the Young Turks when we showed you those uh, wolf pack clips of us winning in the committee hearing in, in the state of Washington. Uh, you're gonna see as soon as I read it why I'm reading it. Masked Felix writes in, Cenk is surprisingly handsome in glasses. Why doesn't he wear them more often? <laughs> I'm not saying anything, Max Felix is saying it. <laughs> All right, having fun. All right, guys, uh, I do need you to panic. Remember, there is a flash sale today. Uh, it's just for members, 20% off though, anything on, on the website. So shoptyt.com, uh, but in order to get the coupon code, if you remember, you gotta go to tyt.com slash notice. Okay, tyt.com slash notice. And you'll find a, uh, the coupon to get you 20% off of anything on shoptyt.com. And then I had one other uh, quick note before we go to our next guest. Um, I forgot to say this during the interview, but we were just talking to Keisha Sutton James, uh, whose grandfather, Percy Ellis Sutton, along with her dad, uh, wound up buying WLIB uh, and had great success with it for a long time. Uh, but then later uh, sold it, the station to a company called Air America which had hosts like Rachel Maddow, Al Franken, uh, Tom Hartman, Ed Schultz, actually I'm not sure they had Ed, um, Mark Marin, Sam Cedar, and oh right, the Young Turks. So how's that for a transition from one set of progressives to another? Uh, so speaking of which, uh, we go to Ben Cohen. So joining me now is Ben Cohen, he's the founder of uh, uh, Ben and Jerry's, but now more importantly, the co-chair of Bernie Sanders 2020 presidential campaign. Ben, welcome back to the Young Turks. Brother Jim, what's happening? <laughs> well, we got a little presidential campaign on our hands, Ben. So first off, I wanna ask you, what does it mean to be a co-chair on the campaign? Well, there's four co-chairs. There's me, there's Nina Turner, there's Ro Khanna, and there's Julene, the mayor of San Juan. So uh, we're just here trying to uh, do everything we can to to get the best man elected to the White House. So look, Ben, you, you've been on Bernie Sanders' side for a long time and um, you're a super lib, let's keep it real, okay? <laughs> you're very, very progressive, which is great. Uh, but nonetheless, some would ask why Bernie Sanders immediately out of the gate? Why not consider other people in the race? Obviously, Elizabeth Warren's very progressive. Uh, but uh, people in the mainstream media would ask, um, Kamala Harris seems to have adopted uh, almost of all of Bernie Sanders' positions. Uh, why jump in on Bernie's side immediately? Well, you know, I've seen Bernie up close and personal for uh, the last 40 years. Uh, when Den and Jerry's was first starting, Bernie, uh, ran for mayor against a uh, old crony machine politician and shocked everyone by winning. Uh, so I've seen his consistency, his values uh, maintain. Uh, he's been unwavering over the last 40 years. Uh, you know, I've never had a, a, a mayor that actually represented my values. And then I had a congressman that represented my values, and then a senator. And, you know, the idea of having a president of the United States that actually represents my values is, uh, you know, kind of euphoric. Uh, 
So, yeah, I, you know, what can I say? I, I, I've just seen him, his consistency over 40 years. And, and I feel like, you know, his experience, uh, in both houses of, uh, the legislature, uh, have prepared him for, uh, going to battle against the, uh, you know, against the entrenched uh, cesspool there. Yeah, so um, I, I don't know this part of the story. So when he became mayor, uh, did you know him at that time? I mean, you knew that he was running, but did you know him personally? No, nope, I didn't know him personally. Uh, I knew that he was running. Uh, you know, Ben and Jerry's, as I say, was just starting. I was kind of busy. Uh, but I was certainly aware of what his values were, and I, I remember being at his, uh, you know, election uh, night party uh, in the basement of Memorial Auditorium, uh, scooping ice cream uh, to the assembled, amazed, and happy throngs. That's that's awesome. So uh, he won that election by only ten votes. Uh, yeah. So, were you one of those ten votes? Did you vote for him? <laughs> you, you bet, I voted for him. Absolutely. Well, actually, yeah. Ben, I mean, he, if he think- won that election by going door to door, by supporting uh, constituents that had been ignored before, senior citizens, veterans, uh, students, and uh, you, you know, he's his whole life has been about. Sticking up for uh, regular people, the the people that have been oppressed, the people that are getting screwed, and you know yeah. he lives it and breathes it. So, uh, in a sense, I guess he he might not be where he is without you. <laughs> I mean, it was, <laughs> but look, it was razor thin. It was razor thin. <laughs> you mean it would have been nine votes? Well, I mean, uh, you and people, you know. But look, democracy, uh, you know, voting matters, <laughs> and I mean, there's. That could yeah. have been the maybe he doesn't go back into politics if he loses that election. So that's it's a fateful, fateful election. So once he starts becoming mayor, usually people uh, after they vote for someone they get into office and then they get disenchanted. Uh, obviously, you did not. So what do you do as mayor that that you thought uh, well this guy's a little different? You know, the first major thing he did was that uh, the the mayor before him, uh, you know, was was really tight with the the real estate developers, and they had hatched a plan to uh, take the the lakefront on Lake Champlain and privatize it and build uh, you know high end condominiums there, so that. You, you know, nobody could use the lake. And Bernie, you know, gets elected and he starts talking about public access. And I had no idea what he meant, but uh, he ended up taking those guys to court and uh, he won. And today we have this most beautiful park for all the people of Burlington uh, for everybody to use. And uh you know, so yeah, that that really uh, you know solidified him in my eyes, and uh, you know, of course, he started the community economic development office, which was actually uh, quite good for business, and uh, he uh, he also started this program whereby he would match up uh, senior citizens who couldn't 
shovel their walks, you know, from the snow off their walks. And he matched them up with teenagers who would volunteer to help them out. I mean, it, you know, it's a beautiful program. Yeah, um, and, and it does snow from time to time in Vermont, so it could be useful. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but if you think about it, a lot of the, the right wing, Donald Trump, et cetera, says, Oh my God, if Sanders gets elected, we're gonna be uh, Venezuela, right? Uh, <laughs> but but you started your business in Vermont, and I'm pretty sure Ben and Jerry's is pretty successful. So it turns out having uh, Bernie Sanders as your mayor and your congressman and then your senator didn't hurt business at all, did it? Yeah, you know, Ben and Jerry's grew and prospered here. Seventh generation grew and prospered here. Burton Snowboards did. Uh, you know, Bernie believes in business that treats its employees well and that uh, helps to improve the quality of life in the community. Uh, yeah, I, so do I. And, and so does just about everybody else in the country. Everybody in the country wants businesses that are not just out for themselves. And you know, I think what Ben and Jerry's and you know a bunch of other pioneering businesses have proven is that you can do it. <laughs> it's not true that it's impossible for business to make a profit if it treats its employees well and it 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 takes care of the needs in the in the greater community. Yeah, it, it's total mythology that uh, is just pushed by the greedy. Uh, when in reality, of course, it's possible. So, uh, and and uh, I don't know this. I know you've named uh, a lot of uh, different Ben and Jerry's flavors after progressive causes, but did you guys ever do one on Bernie? Oh yeah, uh, I think the the best flavor I ever uh, created uh, was for Bernie. It was called Bernie's Yearning. Uh, it was mint ice cream with one huge chocolate disc at the top. And essentially what it represented was it was mint chocolate chip ice cream, but all the chips had flowed up to the top, just like all the wealth that was created over the last 10 years went up to the top 1%. And the way you were supposed to eat it was to take your soup spoon, whack that big chocolate chip on the top and mix it around the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> I love it. My guess is Fox News is not going to love it. Um, all right, uh, Ben Cohen, co-chair of Bernie Sanders' campaign, and let me just tell you one last thing, guys. Uh, ben is uh, not only uh, helping Bernie Sanders, not only a wonderful progressive, but an amazing fighter to get money out of politics uh, with a stamp stampede. So, uh, Ben, on behalf of uh, our entire audience and all progressives, thank you for all of your efforts throughout the years. Really appreciate it. Well, it's a pleasure. It's been great working with Wolfpack, and I'll match you. I'll go better than your chintzy little 20% off offer for TYT stuff. Go to Stamp Stampede, get yourself a stamp, use my personal discount code BC25. I'll give you 50% off a stamp. See, nobody's going to be, be more generous than Ben Cohen. You just can't do it. <laughs> 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 All right, Ben, thanks so much for being on the Young Turks. Really appreciate it. All right, Jen, keep on licking. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, look, there's, uh, oh, I got to give you the uh, Bernie links here. Uh, obviously, BernieSanders.com, 
BernieSanders.com slash volunteer. Volunteers make all the difference. And uh, and if you want to donate, that's the link. And if you're watching this later on YouTube or Facebook, uh, obviously, you, the links are always down below in the description box so you can easily click them. Uh, so both Bernie Sanders and Ben Cohen fighting the good fight uh, for a long time. And wouldn't it be great if we had that kind of vision uh, for how the country could be run? And it is this time entirely possible. All right, uh, for all the Young Turks uh, members, uh, Anna put together a hilarious post game show for you guys where Gene Simmons did a preposterous interview back in 2002 on NPR. We're gonna break it down and have a great time. So tyt.com slash join to become a member. But you know what, in the uh, spirit of Ben Cohen and his generosity, tyt.com slash trial gets you a whole week for free. So you can just try it out. All right, we'll see you over there.